Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, welcome to the 336th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Drew Pierce and Jamie Sadler. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Warren Kaplan. And today we have a friend and fellow filmmaker and podcast host. Podcaster, yeah. Alric Bursell to talk about his new feature film that is coming out on September 13th. It's going to be available everywhere yeah type in the alternate you can watch the trailer the movie itself is only a few bucks if you're interested in supporting indie filmmakers and also podcasters i would bet there's a decent amount of overlap between our audience and Ulrich's podcast making movies is hard partially because we've crossed over with them many many times over the years and it was a real delight to talk to Ulrich because for those who aren't familiar with his podcast he's been talking about making this movie setting out to make this movie for years his podcast is literally named making movies is hard because he's been trying to make a movie (laughs) for a hundred years yeah literally Um, him and his co-host his co-host gave up at some point and and left the show and now he has a new co-host who actually has made some movies and has been on our podcast multiple times liz Liz manichelle that's right their show has evolved over the years liz is an expert in independent film and indie distribution in particular. She's a distribution consultant. And I think that as a result, there's a part of, I think both of us who thinks, well, making movies is hard is going to cover that. They've got that beat on lock. There are things they know way, way more about and, and are more dialed in on. And so I think that they have endeavored to focus more on independent micro budget and, and plenty of big movies as well. Whereas I think that we're kind of as a result leaning into commercials and more commercially available films. Would you agree or no? Yeah, I do think about the difference between our podcast and their podcast a lot. Well, I I think we both of our podcasts focus on the creative stuff, like how you come up with ideas, how you come up with shot lists, how you get great performances, all that stuff. But I think we are very focused on like how you can make this a sustainable career for yourself, like how you survive, how you pay your bills while you're trying to be a filmmaker. And once you've made your film, how do you keep it going? How do you make your Mm -hmm. next film? How are you making money as a director and as a filmmaker? And that's, I think, maybe more of our focus and less of their focus. Yeah, I think that they're more likely to be talking to first time filmmakers. And I feel like you pretty often are like, call us when you've made two more. Only because we've had so many first time filmmakers on. I try to get variety. But in terms of longevity and in terms of a career, like the the there are plenty of our listeners who want to be first time filmmakers. But I think all of our listeners want to be lifetime filmmakers. And so it, catching people a, a little bit further downstream, but before they're Steven Spielberg is kind of, I think, a new newer focus for us. 
Yeah. Like I think a common question for us is, okay, you won Sundance. Now, how are you paying your rent? Because winning Sundance doesn't pay you anything unless you sold your movie for, you know, $20 million, in which case it might or might not pay something. There's like this idea that people have like the great, great American indie film. I'm going to make it. Mm -hmm. And to me, the question is, it's like everyone has gone, has, has covered that topic to death. My question is like, what's next, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what we talk to Ulrich about, I, I think, a decent amount. And I think that he's had a lot of time to be introspective. He's a new father. He's a new homeowner. We kind of dig into all of that with him. You know, it's a really fruitful conversation. I think we do a good job of making sure that we keep people who haven't been listening to the other shows, that, you know, in the loop and, and give people plenty of context. But I think it's especially rich for those who know the other show. And what's cool about Ulrich's film is it's a film that both of us saw while he was editing it, too, and got mm-hmm. to give notes on it and... Anyway, it's a great talk. Ulrich is great. You should check out his podcast, Making Movies is Hard. It's one of the only podcasts that I regularly listen to. Check it out. Before we talk to Ulrich, I wanted to read a, a new iTunes review just for fun and just, just do a couple shout outs. So first, I'm going to read this review. It's mm-hmm. from someone named Me3567, which I swear is not me. <laughs> I don't know who it is. Uh, it's five stars, constantly valuable. I think I've listened to at least 50 episodes and I find value in every one. There are so many tips and pieces of inside knowledge that you probably can't get anywhere else when it comes to commercial directing. On a programming note, I love the flow that comes with each episode. A lot of film podcasts have a way of getting way off topic and it eats away at the runtime. But this duo are like yin and yang. They balance each other out so well and usually spotlight both sides of the coin with each topic. Thank you, Oren and Matt, for this show. Hey, what a nice compliment. I, that's nice because I feel like we are off topic too frequently. Me too. So shout out to Noah, <laughs> I think is maybe the secret weapon there. Our editor is making it seem like we're not off topic. Yeah. I will yeah. say that uh, this reviewer put my name first, which I'm reading into. No, I, I like putting your name first because I feel like it gives me some leeway mm-hmm. to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Look out. Who knows what's coming with Oren? <laughs> You're the reliable guy. I'm the unpredictable mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, there you go. But thank you, me three five five six seven, which again is not me. And yeah, I guess now now that I think about it, us reading iTunes reviews is just us saying great things about ourselves through other people. I think it's also nice. Uh, I'd take criticism too, but uh, it's nice to shout out people who take the time to do it because it's not easy. Yeah, if you want to hear us talk about you, give us a five star review and write something negative. And we'll read about it. We mostly care about the SEO part of it, right? Like the five Mm -hmm. stars, you know, we we want to be high in the ranks, but we'd love to read some negative feedback on iTunes as well. Feel free to roast me if you want. Uh, People have, (sighs) listeners have already made fun of my voice uh, and many other things. So we'd welcome it. Um, You can do it in public on iTunes reviews if you can figure out how to leave a review it's not not yeah, easy yeah. it's also not called itunes anymore Podca- like apple podcast podcast or you can just send it straight to us at just shoot at gmail.com or you can tweet it at us at just shoot it pod and my quick shout outs are to the two patrons we mentioned jamie sadler just long time listener we always uh love to give each other he a hard time to roast you a little bit yeah yeah speaking yeah of. so hey jamie thanks for uh, he actually lowered his patreon pledge it was pretty awesome because he could have just stopped being a patron but mm-hmm. it's so important to him that he just uh kept it going even though he doesn't like us and then drew pierce a previous guest he also directed a movie called the wretched and now has a new movie that he's directing with his brother for screen gems and the producing team behind the black phone is producing this and this is a new movie called room 428 my last shout out is to jordan brady he also has a podcast respect the process he just keeps shouting out our podcast. So I feel like if we shout out his podcast once in a while, he'll keep shouting out our podcast and maybe we'll get more listeners. So 
purely selfish shout out to Jordan. Hi, Jordan. Well, speaking of other people's podcasts, let's jump into our conversation with Ulrich Purcell from Making Movies is Hard and learn a little bit more about him, the process of making the film The Alternate, which is available September 13th. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Okay, hey, we are here with Alaric Bursell. How's it going, Alaric? Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I'm honored to be back on the show once again, two years later or so since the last time I was here. I feel like we're in touch with you all the time. And we talk about your podcast all the time, which you wouldn't know because you don't listen to the show. But <laughs> I know. you Terrible. would probably be a better filmmaker if you did. I don't mean that you're a bad <laughs> filmmaker. I just mean in general, everyone. <laughs> you really need to listen to our show buddy <laughs> i know what am i doing with my life god for listeners who don't listen to Ulrich's podcast making movies is hard with our dear friend liz manichelle Ulrich has been doing a lot with his life besides uh, having a lot of big personal changes and growth like order the movie on amazon itunes it, those yeah places. all the places yeah amazon itunes i'm sure it's on like comcast uh to rent mm -hmm. or buy if you have that kind of thing pretty much anywhere that a, a movie's available on vod you should be able to find it and there's also a dvd you can buy if you want to we didn't order like a whole bunch of dvds and then we're trying to sell them out or anything it's like through this um this service that like you know makes them on demand but mm -hmm. there's special features on the dvd we've got like two commentary tracks uh, one mm -hmm. with me and the actors and then one one with me and the DP and our art director, too. So we got the art director, the DP and me to do a commentary together. And then we got the me and the two actors, Ed and Natalia, to do a commentary. So wow. it was like completely different types of conversations about the movie. So you can hear it from the actor's perspective and then can you hear it from like the technical perspective? 
especially since like we, we talked about on an episode of your show uh, a couple of years ago, like the relationship between the DP and the art director and the director is like, so well, should production designer, not art director, production designer, so important and the so crucial Trinity. and can be so sensitive sometimes um i feel like that commentary is is kind of special we also have deleted scenes on there too and then uh yeah trailers so i just i really packed it with as much as i could because you know i'm such a big fan of uh, special features i figured if i'm gonna make a movie and maybe this is my only movie i better like put all the special features i can all the special features in there and if that's not enough cool the lenticular cover is like a little over the top I'll lose his money on every single DVD. Yeah, if that's not enough special features, there's 300 episodes of Making Movies is Hard where he basically is talking about making that movie, even back in the Timothy days. Um, yeah. You know, the first iteration. So do you think, I'm curious, like, who buys DVDs? <laughs> like, when they hear about a movie on the podcast. Like, have you guys ever done that? Have you ever even, like, bought the movie on iTunes after hearing about it on a podcast? Well, I buy, I buy yeah, DVDs. Definitely. Certainly. I don't know that I have necessary. I certainly buy DVDs or Blu-rays. Or, and I definitely seek out movies after having heard them on podcasts. Less podcasts like ours and more like uh, review podcasts or things like that. I'll seek those movies out for sure. But I think that our podcasts are both really process oriented. So it's less about like making the movie sound good and more about how you made it. and like. There are plenty of instances where, you know, a film hasn't been my taste and I've learned a ton from the filmmaker. And I think that's kind of like our goal with the shows. It tracks that I'm not like out buying every single movie that I hear about on Making Movies is Hard. I mean, I definitely if there's something that sounds kind of crazy about the movie, you know, Mm -hmm. or if it was like, you know, a $50,000 movie that won Sundance or something, then I'll be like, hmm, I wonder what's so good about that movie you know you know sometimes uh i'll I'll buy a movie from a filmmaker just to support them you know be like oh like Mm -hmm. they have a dvd they put some special features on it whatever like i'll you know and then i I have a few a handful of like you know indie dvds of you Mm -hmm. know random indie movies throughout my collection you know um mixed in with all the the big stuff but uh but yeah i don't know i just feel like it's it's something that you know i Basically, when we were you know putting the movie together and everything, like I was just delivering all the things I was re- requested because we didn't know what it was going to be released on. And I think, you know, my distributor was just like, well, this is a way that we can provide a DVD for those who want it. And then we don't have to pay a bunch of money, you know, because they're just going to be made on demand and we don't have to worry about it. We also probably won't make a ton of money on the DVDs either. But at least now it's available for those who want it, which I which I think is really cool. Agreed. I'll say this. I think that like to your point, Alric, about buying merch to support an artist that you love, that feels like a a practice that really lends itself to like events and live screenings and things like that. You know, like if you go to a show and you see a band that maybe you haven't heard of before or whatever, and you love them, like you may pick up a their self-released CD or a t-shirt or whatever, you know, obviously I haven't been to a show in a long time, but like, uh, <laughs> it, it makes me think of like, we had Darren Lynn Bozeman on the show who directed a, a oh, bunch yeah. of the sauce sequels. And he also did a uh, repo, the genetic opera. And I think yeah. that, I think repo has like real cult status now. Um, but was a 
was trashed, trash, trash, trash by all the critics. And he toured with it. And I think they sold a lot of merch and built a grassroots following by taking it city to city and making it an event and like screening it. But also, you know, like I think there were maybe bands involved or like sing alongs, you know, like there's a part of cinema that can be really, really eventized. And I've always really loved that. And I would. Yeah. If I go to one of those things, I almost always walk away with contributing additional money somehow, whether it's like. Right drink tickets or or you know merch or whatever yeah i think merch at an event is awesome yeah even like t-shirts and whatever Mm -hmm. um i do think there's a certain type of demographic mainly like young nerdy guys geeky guys that will buy a dvd to support someone like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you guys just your kids are relatively young but you'll realize like your house gets filled with so much crap um, when you have kids and all you want to do is get rid of things. And like every day my wife's like, Hey, can we throw this away? Can we throw this away? I'm like, no, that's a short film I made, you know, mm-hmm. 10 copies of DVDs oh. of a short film I made in like 2004. It's like into the trash. So it's like, to imagine <laughs> just buying a DVD to just put on a shelf. Unless maybe you're like Matt and you have like a place to display, you know, your collection. None of the, my DVDs are all in binders for the record. <laughs> oh really? You don't, have a, you, don't have a, you don't have a display I, shelf? I know because I got I got rid of all of them because because of Orin's point of space. I was like, oh, they're all alphabetized in three ring binders. Oh my um, god! So nice. if you get a new one, you have to move all the other ones down one spot. I've strategically oh built holes in for that exact <laughs> uh, reason. There Oren. we go. Very, it, very not very my smart. first rodeo. I like, like, sorry, we, we can't buy that movie. It starts with a B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. okay, so you made this movie. Congrats. Thank you. It's awesome. Matt and I both watch it. We gave notes. I feel we bad for having a DVD available out for the public now, but yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, look, you're, <laughs> you've, you've covered the making of the movie so much, and we know so much about it, and people can go listen to your podcast and get like really mm-hmm. great commentary on it. I'm like more interested in like the psychology of the man <laughs> that just is releasing his first feature film and like what mm-hmm. it means because it's like put on such a pedestal for every indie filmmaker. It's like, I just got to get my feature out there. I just got to do this. I got to get the script. I got to get the cast. I got to get the financing. I got to shoot the thing. I got to talk about the adventures, which by the way, mm-hmm. like some of my favorite episodes of your podcast ever are your audio diary, like your audio journal during the making of the film. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. good. If you guys do that again. <laughs> dig back. Yeah. Through Ulrich's um, episodes, he at the end of each day or the beginning of each day, he would record like just what's going on. And, not every yeah. day was great. Like you had like neighbors complaining, you had sure. things to deal with. It was also um, fun because it would, Ulrich, you're so positive. You would be like, okay, today's going to be awesome. <laughs> We're a little behind, but we are going to make it up. I've got a plan. I am ready. And then it would cut to, <sighs> well, that did not go as planned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, is, uh... that, is the, that is the psychosis that we all inhabit and live in when you're making a film. That is, that is, it's funny because it's relatable for sure. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and that, I think that's why I like, really like your podcast and our podcast. And I think they're very different than other <laughs> filmmaking podcasts, which are just like, yeah, here's a great way we shut down the 405 to shoot this scene from Barry. You're like, I, I want to hear about like the insanity, you know, just the the crazy mental gymnastics we have to go through to survive in this in this career. And so, so you finish the feature, 
You sold yeah. it. It played at a bunch yeah. of festivals. It got great reviews, great acclaim. Do you feel like a different filmmaker now? Do you feel better? Yeah. Do I feel better? <laughs> yeah, I do feel better. <laughs> um, you know, in a lot of ways, you kind of feel like, yeah, you, you did the thing that you wanted to do. I think for a while when I was waiting to hear what was going to happen with the movie, once we sold it to the distributor and they were like, you know, trying to, you know, sell it to, you know, different streamers and whatever like i think there was a, like a lot of uncertainty or whatever and then but it was like very clear like all right we're just gonna you're releasing it on transactional vod and you know we're just we're doing it that way like all the streamers said no you know all you know whatever it's not going to be bought by hbo max and obviously not now of course after what just happened but yeah i mean i think now that we're the movie's got a release date and that we're like the the starting of the press is happening that like our PR team is starting to actually reach out to people and then like push the trailer out into the world. And the trailers got like a ton of views, which like, you know, I mean, it's not a lot. It's like, like 120,000 or something across all the which links. Is, which right is now. a lot of people. That's awesome. That's a and, lot. And of it's people. like, it's not million, like in the world of viral videos, right. Where like things are getting millions and millions of hits. It's like 120,000, 130,000. It's like, that's not really a lot, but, to me, that's like a shit ass ton of people, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and then good. people are commenting and like saying, oh, I, it looks great and I can't wait to see and you it. You were in deadline, right? It. Yeah, we were in deadline and, you know, we've gotten like picked up by a bunch of these other like horror blogs and websites. It, it just feels like when that started to happen, it kind of felt real, you know, and kind of mm. felt valid. Like it's an actual movie. Like when, when you see a stranger, you know, commenting on YouTube and saying that they like think it's cool or they think it sucks or whatever. Like it just suddenly it feels like a real thing and that we like, you know, kind of have some yeah, sort of, you made something importance. that's worth having a conversation about. Can I yeah, ask a question? Exactly. Actually, this is super fun. I hadn't really thought through how, because we know you so well, this is a slightly different sort of conversation than if it was just like, you know, we'd been pitched a filmmaker who has a cool sci-fi movie and we put them. Exactly. Um, but so I know that you, uh, you had a, a totally successful festival run. You got to go to a handful of those screenings, even though the pandemic made that a little tricky. There were strangers at those screenings while you're watching your movie in a movie theater. Right. But it sounds to me like that felt less quote unquote real than a positive YouTube comment. Well, is that right? Well, I guess in some ways it's, it's the same, but it's when it, it just, it's a much bigger scale, right? Like when mm -hmm. you're in a movie theater, like when I had a premiere last year at Dance with Films, we had like about a hundred people in the audience or whatever. But like mm -hmm. most of those people are people I know or people who worked mm -hmm. on the movie or, or, or people who are fans of the movie. And so in the end, mm -hmm. it's probably like, you know, only a handful of people who it are It feels like a friends and family screening yeah. rather than yeah 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 totally pretty much you know and then it's like and, and everyone's like oh it's it's great and then when you travel to like indianapolis to um to heartland film festival it's one of the ones i went to and like you show up to the screening and there's 10 people in the audience you know and everyone else is watching yeah. Yeah. you know like yeah. the the come on come on premiere like that's happening at the same time down the hall from your movie <laughs> it's like you know well yeah, first you're like exactly. screw those film festival people for scheduling ND film across from come on come on but uh the other you're like okay well you know that's 10 people and like maybe they liked it and maybe mm -hmm. they didn't but like all you can really do is like just hear the reaction and then see if things are working based on the reactions you hear and so if you hear yeah. positive reactions 
then you know that it that it's kind of working. And so like, I mean, every time I got to go to a film festival and I heard a positive reaction, it was an amazing feeling. It's such an incredible feeling, you know, but then you think, oh, that's just one film festival. That's just one audience. That's mm-hmm. just one city, you know, like who cares? Like, like we, you know, I went to Italy for this uh, Ravenna Nightmare Film Festival in this little town, Ravenna, you know, in Italy. And, uh, you know, I flew all the way out there. They, they covered like, you know, half the expenses and, you know, put me up there for free, like paid for all my food and everything. And, you know, got to watch a bunch of movies and, you know, we won the fucking festival. We won the whole thing. Um, you know, and like other filmmakers who have won the gold ring there have like been David Cronenberg and like mm-hmm. fucking David Lynch and shit in previous years. So it's like suddenly I'm like oh, up David. with like my heroes, you know, have the same award they have. It's kind of kind of nutty. So that was like a huge, huge mm-hmm. thing. And then like we've got like multiple reviews in Italy and stuff. And so like that, you know, but then it's like, but then you're just like, well, and then that's just one thing. And you just say, so but it just mm-hmm. kind of washes over you. And then you're like, you know, I didn't get into Sundance. So who cares? Right. I a streaming deal or whatever, you know, it's like, sure. so it's like whatever. <laughs> I, I wonder though, if there's perhaps just a paradigm shift in terms of what we feel is real or not, basically. Yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at is like, is it perhaps that the big screen doesn't feel like the place where you've landed where you've made it in the same way that, you know, strangers reacting to you on the internet does. Do you know what I mean? Is that pre- over right. the last 10, 15 I, years, I, maybe we've just, think, we've been recalibrated in some way. I think the other thing is like with a festival, it's a very small group of people deciding your fate, right? It's like 10, maybe 20 people on a board who decide if your movie gets in or not. So it's like, you're convincing mm. a small group and then it's the audiences who come who are reacting to whether it's good or not. So you're kind of mm-hmm. like chosen at a film festival. It's a self-selecting and, and, group also. Too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people watch yeah. movies because that's what they could get tickets to. So when sure. your trailer gets watched by a, a, a thousand random people or hundreds of thousands of random people on the mm-hmm. internet and like you have no one knows who the fuck you are. Mm-hmm. There's no big awards. There's no star actors. Mm-hmm. It's just your movie. It's just your story. It's just the shit you did. And that's all that they're reacting to. I guess it seems more important and or or more it's bigger in some way because it's like they they didn't they weren't told it was good. They just watched it and they decided that it was good and that they liked it, you know, and that they wanted to watch it. So I think that's why it feels better to me to like be like, wow, I have a, over a hundred thousand hits mm-hmm. on my trailer than like you know, all the awards and getting into film festivals and, and selling yeah. the movie. It's like that stuff is like, doesn't feel as cool because it's like, these, this is the people who I made it for is like the random mm-hmm. fans. And now we're, I'm like gaining fans crazily, like yeah. somehow, you know, it's like, I don't know. That's what I guess that's what makes it special, I guess. I totally agree. There's kind of like these rings of influence that your movie makes, right? At first, you're just so happy you finished making a movie and then you show it to your friends and obviously they're going to watch it. They have to. But then you show it to the festivals and you're like, okay, cool. People that are looking for indie films are willing to watch my movie and program it. And now these other people that are willing to watch movies that they've never heard of from filmmakers they've never heard of, you know, will come to this festival just because there's movies there in a festival and they'll watch it. And then you start getting press and reviews. That's kind of like, like the next level. And, if, and th- that starts feeling pretty good. Obviously, the good reviews are better than the bad reviews. But like right. being written up in Deadline or Daily Brand or whatever. But then once you get 
like the random person on YouTube writing, that's like mainstream, right? That's like the the divide between film community mm-hmm. and like mainstream community. And to me, like once you're part of the conversation, like no one forced this person to watch the trailer and comment on it. You know, they didn't even spend any money on it. Like they didn't go, they didn't leave their house. They didn't, and the fact that they care enough to say something, whether it's good or bad, means that you're, that they're you know, outside yeah. of the movie now exists like outside of Ulrich Purcell, you know, outside of the film. Yeah. So I think, I don't exactly. know, I, I'm totally with you. I think that festivals are, are fun, but at some point you're like, does this mean anything? You know, mm-hmm. so you won those awards. You got some comments on YouTube. Does, <laughs> like, was, have you reached out to reps or like, is, is that like Alric Brussel, the writer director, tell me about like how your career has been affected by this movie or in, in ways that you wanted or didn't want or expected or unexpected. I did tr- start to try to like get some management, which I've always been told is like not what you're supposed to do. Cause like when you're ready for management or reps that they're going to find you, which I kind of feel like is bullshit, you know, like, like how can that possibly be true? Like, you know, there's gotta <laughs> be people out there who want good talent to represent that would be happy to be, you know, to find them or have them be found. So I, I did start doing this, this tactic where I'd go on LinkedIn and I would basically look for anyone who's like, you know, a talent agent or some kind of manager or whatever, you know, I would, I can't remember how I'd search, but I'd search like manager genre or manager something. Mm -hmm. And then I would just see who I was connected to, like, you know, one or twos. And then I would go on IMDb pro and see who their client list is. And then if their client lists were, you know, directors, writers, you know, in addition to actors or whatever, then I would write them a message and say, hey, blah, 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 I'm Oliver Purcell. I got a movie coming out this fall. I'd love to talk to you about, you know, being represented by you, blah, 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 blah. And so I did that like 10, 12 times and I heard nothing back from anybody. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm just but like, doesn't well, that prove your point? You know, <laughs> your point? Yeah. It, it does. It does prove the point. And it's like they want to wait till like I'm like someone who is valuable, then they can find me. They don't want me. They I don't always wanna, say, you know. <laughs> they also like to be the genius who discovered someone. It needs to be their idea. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, I guess my perspective is two things. One is like, you don't need a manager. I mean, not that you don't need a manager, but it's not that important to have a manager um, right. to have like a filmmaking career. Two, like I think the thing that's wrong about your premise is that there must be people out there that are looking for talent that would just love to have solid, talented filmmakers on their roster. And, and I don't think that that's how management works. Mm-hmm. Like, I think managers, first of all, they all want to be producers, right? And they want to find projects and they want to sell them, attach talent, attach money and get people excited about it. But they do not want to work incredibly hard to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. They want to find 20 people that already have so much buzz going for them that they can say like, Hey, that's actually, mm-hmm. that's my person. They have a project. Let's, let's connect mm-hmm. them and let, let's, let's connect you guys and have you talk. But like, if they, need to create the buzz for you, then they're not interested. You know, yeah, that, right. that's, that's like exactly not what right. managers do. Um, and so if you won, you know, Nichols, won Sundance, won, you know, this festival in Italy and someone needs a person at that point, you know, exactly like, like if the timing is right on every cylinder, then they'll be like, oh, Arik, you're great. Let's, let's connect. And they probably won't even sign you. They'll be like, oh, I just saw this movie. Like when mm-hmm. I, my feature came out, I did end up signing with some managers that totally didn't get me. but. 
um, I did get a lot of kind of meetings off of it. That's just like, hey, we saw we saw your movie. We think you're interesting. Like we think like the subject matter is interesting. Like let's just meet up. And nothing came of it. You know, like kind of like these general meetings. But I don't think that there are managers that are like out there like looking for the undiscovered talent. And I know Matt Matt's point of view is that they they want to be the genius that discovered this hidden gem. But from my you know point of view. It's like, oh, someone just got 10 million views on TikTok doing impressions. When, that, when I say hidden gem, though, I mean, they're about to win nickels. Like they heard in right. advance. Like, like to say hidden, I, I understand why you're, you're maybe misunderstanding me or I, should, I need to clarify. It's that they've discovered the next big thing, but they're already going to be that big thing. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like, oh, I read this on the blacklist and it's, you know, I think it's great. And it's been buried and buried and buried and there's no buzz on it at all. They're like, oh, we know because my friend told me that they're about to win the blacklist or that like they've got six movies that are all about to drop and Sundance is really stoked on them or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like it's to your point, Oren, they've already got all those credentials. The other thing that we're talking about here is that like, it's really hard for, and this goes for film festival programmers or whatever, it's hard to trust your own taste, right? And well, so the you more- you need to know how to pitch someone and- Sure, it, that's, like, an, that's Pitching someone like, hey, Ulrich's really <laughs> talented is no one's gonna care about mm-hmm. that. It's but Ulrich like, just oh, won man. this and this and this and he got this actor to, to right. sign on then to his movie. must part, be you know. good. It like, must be yeah. good then. And, and then it's not like, is, I'm not staking my- taste on Alric because it's already been validated by all of these other external places basically right yeah that's why people love stats and social media as well it's like well a a million people can't be wrong you know (laughs) yeah but the thing about the manager and like my first point which was that you don't need a manager is again it's not that managers don't do anything they they do a lot and they they are a great person to bring a project to life but actually you could send your project to a manager that doesn't rep you. And if mm-hmm. they're into it, they can be into it, you know, and they can eventually turn into your rep. So it's, they're more about like, to my experiences, they're more about like talented filmmakers with mm-hmm. things to say and projects. to. So it's like, and opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's my, it, your past, you know, okay. That, that covers the talented filmmaker part, but they would sign you if instead of saying like, hey, I'm Alric, I just won these things and I'm looking for reps. Uh, that's a harder pitch than like, hey, I'm Alric. Here's my new project. That's this and this and this. It's super awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it's a, it would be up your alley. And by yeah. the way, a little about myself, I just won this and this and this. Mm-hmm. You know, so like yeah. work first, it, not work, but it's, it's like we always talk about when you email someone, it's like, here's why this is helpful for you. This is how, how I'm helping you as opposed to, this is why I need help from you. I mean, it makes sense. Like they want, they basically want to make money without having to do anything. So like if you bring them a project sure. that's already ready to go, that's already shooting, then they can collect a paycheck without think, having well, to like actually. <laughs> but like, also, oh yeah, great, so, right here, I'll take your money, sure. No here's problem. the thing, Alric, it's so hard. You know, making movies is hard, right? So the likelihood that even if I walked up to a manager and was like, yo, this is all happening here, are all of the different things, it could still just disappear. So you're just trying to, Play safe bets, you know, just right, be, be as right. smart as you can. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't think it's really a money thing. It's more of like a potential thing, mm-hmm. you know, like you're right. sure if you have a movie going, that's a, a easy 
slam dunk. But if you have this awesome script that two different companies are interested in, but mm-hmm. no, no deal has been, right. has been made yet, that's also like an interesting opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And they um, also need to feel like they can help you. You know what I mean? Like, oh, right. I'm the person for this job. Ulrich just needs X, Y, and Z, and they're a superstar. Or if you just have right. like some really interesting pitch. I worked in the Obama White House and I've mm-hmm. written yeah. these things. And here, you know, this is why I have a unique perspective. <laughs> and this is what's next. I, you know, I, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's, yeah. hard. It's, uh, it's hard to replicate, but it's, it's obviously it's easier to poke holes in, in a strategy than it is to like come up with a strategy. Sure. Well, yeah. I'm li- Ulrich, I literally did the same thing that you did um, with a different oh. take of like, oh, I've got this movie. We're friends. I met you at this barbecue. Check this out. You know? Yeah. And I have done wow. that and failed many times. Yeah. Well. It feels yeah, like yeah. that to have be- like a better success rate, right? Because you actually know that person. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, honestly, the best case scenario looking back on it would have been like hey this is super cool let me know how it goes this project that i have it you know is being set up in audible right now that came from like i had sent it to my manager who was just doing a lot of bigger things and didn't have time to deal with it he forwarded on to someone else that was doing scripted audio that also ended up never reading it never responding to me and that was through my own reps and then we ended up getting to audible through just like you know, uh, my writing partner was talking to some woman at the park who like worked at Audible and she told her about the project and that woman forwarded on to some other guy at Audible. Like that's the reality of like how things get made. And we can hear it on the, all the time. You know, we just had Laura Everly on who's with Gersh across the board and she still books her own things and contacts yeah. agents on her own and um, people really. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, and I don't mean to, I hope this isn't a downer. Um, I just oh, think no. it, it it's fun to explore the like the what happens after this milestone, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, well, I don't I don't feel like managers and agents are like my main goal right now. Anyways, it's like just making the next movie is really the the main focus. And I don't think a manager or agent is necessarily going to help me do that more than just, you know, being able to raise the money myself or get mm-hmm. in touch with the right producer or whatever, like, you know, just get the next project going. So that's that's really the most important thing to me now anyways, is just finding the next thing to actually go out and direct. Knowing what you know now, like knowing, getting a sense of like what sort of deals were made, you know, um, what it takes to make your film. Are there things that you're going to do differently this time around in the sense of like casting, budget, production, distribution, kind of the whole shebang, all of those kind of big hurdles, you know, like, do you wish you'd shot more days or fewer days? Do you wish your crew was bigger or smaller? Do you wish you had bigger name talent or, or smaller talent? What sort of deals were you seeing? Like, I guess really all I'm asking is, is how have you recalibrated your approach for the next one? You learned a few things. I'll double down on that talent question because it is the other thing that every single filmmaker thinks about before they make the movie is like, do I just need good actors or do I need famous people? And Nine out of 10 times, you just end up going with good actors because the famous people are really slowed down the process. But once you're done with the movie, do you, or are there any regrets or thoughts about that topic? As things I would do differently, I probably wouldn't rush things as much. Like there's a definitely a couple of key moments in the process that mm-hmm. I feel like I pushed a little too hard, too fast. When you say things, you mean in production or in development? What what did you rush? Well, I think the crowdfunding campaign was one of those things. Like, I think I I rushed that. I probably should have given more time to prep for it, and I should have given more time between 
uh, when we finished the crowdfunding and when we shot the movie, but we just kind of did it all really fast, you know, like we, mm-hmm. I think we finished the crowdfunding campaign and then we shot two weeks later, mm-hmm. which I, I just mm-hmm. wouldn't recommend. I would just say like that much better to like raise the money and then shoot like three months later. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Because um, you, you have more time to plan to spend your dollar smartly because you needed rest. What was the, why, why the yeah, gap, why longer gap? I think, I think because you can, you can just have more time to focus on the actual prep of the movie and like, you're not worrying about trying to fulfill crowdfunding. Um, <laughs> sure. Right. You're running in student or whatever. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, you're like, ah, t- the T-shirts need to be shipped. And also, I don't have a location right. for day five. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Well, no, no physical merch for crowdfunding, by the way. It's, yeah. You know, bad, yeah, yeah. bad, Co- bad move, which I've, I've learned. I've learned my mistake on that one. Um, but yeah, just like even just doing the digital, the, the, like virtual, um, you know, stuff that you have to do, like saying thank you or like, making a mm-hmm. video or whatever it's just like all that stuff um takes time and like you really should be using that time to to focus on the actual prep of the movie itself you know when you donate to a kickstarter do you care about the the incentives at all or is it just like well i've got 25 bucks or oh it's my brother i better give him a hundred so if 50 bucks will get me something cool, I'll spend 50 bucks. Um, mm-hmm. If I can get like, like a physical thing, like a, like a Blu-ray or a t-shirt or a poster or whatever. If the, the t-shirt poster Blu-ray stuff is 250 or, or, or 100 bucks or more, I probably skip it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then it's like, okay, do I go 25 or 50? And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. if there's something better at 50, I usually just do 25. But if there yeah. is something really cool at 50 or 75 bucks, like a, cool physical thing or whatever or what I, I might just go for it just to get the cool thing follow-up you know? question say there's a tier it's 25 bucks or 30 bucks it sounds like a focus group man 30, 30 <laughs> bucks gives you 30 bucks gives you like um i don't know a voicemail message recorded for you or like one of those kind of like charming bucks. you would do 30 bucks if it's slightly I'm, better yeah i would do 30 bucks I guess I don't I want to give you like, more money. <laughs> I, I, I want to, you know, I want to have an excuse to like give you a little bit like more than tw- like 25 to me is like the bare minimum, you know, it's like, ah, mm-hmm. like, I, like I barely want to support you for 25 bucks. But if like, like if it's like a cool thing and there's like a thing, like 50 bucks is kind of like where I would go if like I'm really, mm-hmm. if I think the project is really cool. Um, and if there is an option in between 25 and, and 50, I probably would just go with it, you know? I guess what I'm saying is that I am almost always giving people Kickstarter money to support them, not because I want any of the stuff. And to Oren's point <laughs> right. before, I don't want any junk unless it's like a T-shirt, coffee mug, hat. <laughs> unless yeah, it's something you, you can imagine. The movie. That's it. Yeah. yeah. It has to have a very practical purpose where oh. I also have a system of storing it already. Otherwise, I do not want it. The, the thing I'm a sucker for, which is like really weird, um, but like the soundtrack as an MP3 download, like that, yeah. like I'll get on to for some reason. I'm like, oh, I yeah, I want to hear the soundtrack. What, to put on your those. iPod shuffle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. Just so I can, I like, like that kind of stuff. I like soundtracks. Okay, so you would do your crowdfunding differently. What about the casting? Just just give us an answer on the casting. Matt, let's say he's has... The money to shoot his movie starting in a month. He has actors that are solid mm-hmm. actors. They've done some work on TV, but no one really knows their names. Well, hold. 
I, I think that yeah. that's actually that's a pretty huge <laughs> distinction because like there's three tiers. There's famous. There's like, oh, that guy from that show. Yeah. I've seen that yeah, face yeah, before. I, I, yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I think I maybe I haven't seen that face before, but like I've heard of that show. They're on it. They're the the fourth lead on it or whatever. Like it's an ensemble comedy and they're the funny one or whatever, but it's like an Apple show. Like you could figure out who they are. They have a real IMDb and then like yeah. no real credits. This is Matt trying to convince himself that that middle tier matters. So well, I, I, uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's sure. Maybe it's a little bit that and you're probably right. Or, and it probably doesn't matter at all, but that is a distinction between yeah. like if you're you know making a movie in milwaukee or whatever you they probably haven't had a ton of recurring guest star roles on you know whatever fx show or whatever you right. know what but, i mean but that's a distinction in, when you're trying to raise money but i'm asking now that the movie's released mm. uh, is it a distinction in terms of getting distributors or people to come see your movie because if you see jesse mm-hmm. eisenberg you know or Chris Hemsworth or whatever, like on, on the cover of the DVD or on the poster in the film festival program. Sure. Yeah. You'll give it a shot. It doesn't matter what the movie is, but if you see, you know, the guy that was, had Mm -hmm. like some small part in, I guess it all depends on how much money you you think you can raise. Like if you, if you think you can raise $2 million, then yeah, let's get some names in there. Right. Like, so how long would you wait? so, So I'm not talking about raising the money to make the movie. I'm talking about, now that the movie is done, you know, the whole time everyone told you like, you should get a name in your movie. Right. Right. And then right. at some point you're like, I'm done waiting. I'm just going to make the movie because the other half of the people told you just make your movie. Don't wait for anyone. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And at some point you go from being that first person. That's like, we just made a, you know, an offer to whatever. So someone very fit to Brad Pitt. Well, no, no, no Brad writer. Pitt. <laughs> yeah. No, no yeah. writer to be in my movie. And she said she can't read it till, for another two months because she's on vacation or whatever some point you go from that to okay this is the date you're either with us or you're, you're we're doing it without you now that the movie is out and you're seeing the festivals you're seeing the distributors you're seeing like like if Winona Ryder was in your movie do you think mm-hmm. you would have gotten a streaming deal do you think she would have paid for herself do you think more people would have shown up to your movie at Heartland like how important is that if you were advising Alric from two years ago well that's an interesting question. I feel like, yeah, like I think a lot of the reasons why we didn't, you know, get into a bigger film festival or secure a bigger, you know, distribution deal or whatever is probably because we don't have any stars in the movie. But there are all other movies that also don't have stars in the movies that have gotten, you know, better distribution mm-hmm. deals than us too and gotten into bit better film festivals. So I don't necessarily think that that's the big reason necessarily Mm -hmm. it's anecdotal evidence basically right but i but i think like so i so i guess to answer your question like no i i feel i'm very happy that i made the movie with the actors that i did and i would do it again and i think if if i had five hundred thousand dollars or less to make a movie i would just cast the best actors that i could possibly get maybe i could try to get one name as a small bit bit role you know to come in and be this one character for a day or two days and put their name on the poster or whatever. And that probably would help um, to like get a better film festival, you know, um, looking or whatever, or like, you know, maybe get a better distribution deal. Maybe it wouldn't if it wasn't the right person, you know, I'm not, not necessarily sure, but I'd probably prefer to do that than to, um, you know, try to like wait and wait forever for like, you know, the name mm-hmm. attachment. Cause I just think like, 
you know, unless you have the money to make the offer, like you are just going to be waiting forever. So if I th- thought I could raise $2 million, you know, then I'm, then maybe I would actually go out to like bigger cast, you know, for, for the next movie, but only if I actually had that money. It's interesting. I think like if I was making a, a movie today, obviously it depends. It, it depends a lot on like the type of movie it is. If it's like a comedy, I do think actually names make a big difference to, mm-hmm. to draw people. Um, right. If it's more of like a thriller genre horror, um, then yeah, I don't think it matters as much. And remember that movie yeah. uh, Cube? Uh, oh, yeah. sure. Canadian film. Sure. <laughs> I love Cube. Um, by the guy that created the, what's the clone show? With Tatiana. Oh, oh he created, uh, um, the guy who did Cube did. Uh, Black? Uh, yeah, Black. Black. Yeah. Black. Yeah. 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 Wow. Serious yes, multiplicity. But one of the things <laughs> he did when he made Cube, the movie, is he cast an entire cast that looks incredibly familiar <laughs> like this guy kind of looks like you know like a keegan yeah, michael yeah. this guy kind of looks, looks kinda, like kind of looks, yeah. looks like yeah good looking he kind of looks like kaylin olsen yeah and so when you watch the movie you're like wait where do i know that actor from but it's really like all unknowns but he did uh i, I thought that was like yeah. a fun who knows approach. if that'll work oh, or not now I, I think the other big question is just like in terms of that second film what does your first film do for that in terms of casting Right. Like, obviously, if you had super, super famous people in your movie, then it's easier to get super, super famous people again. But I think there is at least the narrative of like, oh, I made a great indie movie. Without stars, and I can show that to talent and be like, hey, this is the sort of work that I do. Do you want to be a part of the next film? Right. And like, perhaps you know, they maybe have seen it at a film festival or whatever, or like there's, uh, again, uh, external validators that are kind of vouching for you in addition that help you kind of, you know, work your way up the ladder, so to speak. The next question, Ulrich, is this next film, budget-wise, are you aiming for it to be bigger, smaller? What's your approach in that regard? And like, is there, do you really care about a next film? Like you can... Yeah, you could you be like, hey, I did TV it. Or shorts yeah, yeah. or commercials or yeah. something else. <laughs> yeah, live your life and not think about it for a year or two. I feel like just trying to find the next thing that I care about enough to, to go out and make a movie is, is really where I'm at. Like trying to find the thing mm-hmm. that, you know, I want to spend upwards to eight years on to, you know, <laughs> make sure it's perfect. And no, come like, on. Eight years. Well, that's how long this one took. <laughs> this one took eight years. Yeah, but you wrote so, it. But most of that time is you working on the script, right? Yeah. And then we're also trying to raise money and like, you know, pitching it to places. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I was really working on it for, I mean, not the whole time, but like, yeah, I, I think from like 2016 probably, or, mm-hmm. or maybe even 2015, like it was like my main thing that it's like, I was trying to get this project made and trying to figure it out. And it took me a really long time to, uh, to really, you know, I think it was 20, the end of 2017 when I found my producer. So then it was yeah. like all of 2018, uh, working with him, trying to raise money. And then 2019, and then that's when we shot the teaser trailer. And then 2019 was when we, uh, we actually went and made the movie. And that was like when we, we found the rest of the money and, and everything. And yeah, it was just a lot of, a lot of time, man. It really does. Mm-hmm. It really did take a lot, but I mean, and maybe, 
it won't take so much time this next time because, you know, you know, I'll be able to raise money easier, hopefully. But you're talking about finding a movie that exists, like a script that exists that you would attach yourself or, to. And go or try a to story make. that I like to, to enough to write, you know, um, but I just I don't really have a lot of time for writing. So that's kind of been been hard. So what I've been doing lately is partnering with with writer friends of mine to like kind of come up with concepts together and then have them write them. And then uh, sort of see, you know, if it ends up being a project that I really want to make. So I've got a couple of people working on various things that are in various stages, various stories. And so that's sort of one thing that's going on. And then I'm also reading scripts from other writers and deciding if like, oh, is this something that I want to attach myself to? And then I've got like a couple of projects that I've sent to people that are in like development that maybe that might end up happening. This one company says they're going to make this, this movie like, you know, next year that they, that I would direct for like an ungodly amount of money, which like, you know, I don't know if it's really going to happen or not, but it, it, it seems very pie in the sky. We've got a contract and they say they're going to be able to raise this money. So we'll see, you know. I mean, fingers crossed, buddy. Yeah. I don't know. It's like that stuff is like always, you know, it's like you hear that stuff and you're like, ah, well, okay, that sounds great. But. You know, like it's not going to, it's not real until you're actually like out making the movie or whatever. Until you're doing it. Yeah. You know, I, you bring to mind just like the push and pull that I have been thinking about a lot lately as I'm kind of getting this current feature up the hill is that like the job is really, it's, it's probably 70%, 80% development, right? And then... <laughs> And then making the movie is that back back portion. Um, but it's it's so hard because it takes so much energy to get a movie actually made. But also to to subsist off of this, you need to have other scripts and other things going. Right. Like that's why development yeah. shingles exist. It's because you need to have a few foot soldiers who are out reading a ton of stuff and taking meetings and getting stuff going for you while you're actually making the thing and when you're independent artists like we are you don't have a bungalow at warner to to hang out in and you know chat people up at the commissary or whatever and so i think that like moving forward we all have to kind of figure out how to get that treadmill uh maybe a notch or two faster and all three of us have young children and i think that that is a huge part of it all right it's like your waking hours are just like filled with taking care of a beautiful little baby but it's also like you should be writing in success when this movie gets made i need to have two screenplays that i'm super excited about to be ready to go with for when those meetings happen and when people love the movie that i can be like hey this is the next thing that i'd like to make do you want to make it with me or at least, a, at least some projects, if you're willing to direct other people's work, then you, you could also just find those projects that you like, that you are willing to pitch, which is sure. my approach, you know, sure. just like to have like things that I like that I talk about to other people. <laughs> it doesn't have to take you eight years to make a movie, especially if you're the director. No, mm-hmm. it does take you yeah, about two, three, two to three. I mean, right. I, my first movie <laughs> made within like the producers came to me with the script. They, you know, we already had ideas on how to raise money. We knew that it was going to be like an indie film. And we we waited for two or three months to try to attach names, failed, and then just went and made the movie without them. And 
you know, we were editing it for six months and we missed the Sundance deadline, all that stuff. You know, the festival, the release took a while, maybe another year. But after that, I got offered this like movie that already had a deal with Lifetime in place. You know, we just needed to cast and shoot and get the best actor that we could by the start of the shooting, you know, and we had three weeks to shoot it and three weeks to edit it. So it was on TV like three months after like I got hired or something, you know, Uh, (laughs) and that's a TV movie. It's a different thing, obviously. But I have a friend, Jay Gamble, who he knew this playwright. He had made a short film at USC. They this playwright saw it and really liked it and had written this script and was happened to be friends with Jesse Eisenberg. (laughs) And Jesse was willing Mm -hmm. to do like one of the smaller parts in the script. And he came and he's like, hey, I got Jesse Eisenberg. I've got this script and I like you as the director. Let's put this together. The director talked to a couple producers he knew and they instantly like got, you know, like 300 grand or something very easily off of Jesse Eisenberg's uh-huh. being in it. That Jesse Eisenberg's manager was like, you're not allowed to use his face on the, on the DVD box, by the way. <laughs> sure. <laughs> what, what year? It was probably uh, year about 2012 or something. Wow. Mm-hmm. So th- were people still buying DVDs is really what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, probably 2011, 2012. And it sounds like what you're looking for is a person that has a project you know, that either you're instantly sparked by and like have so many ideas and know who to bring it to and how to attach people to it. Or maybe it already has some attachment or has some financing and you would jump on to shepherd the script and, you know, get the production done. And it sounds to me like you're being a lot like those managers that you emailed. Because (laughs) if somebody came Mm -hmm. to you and said like, hey, Ulrich, I won this screenwriting competition and they made it into a movie and I'd love to meet a director, you know, because maybe we can collaborate on something. Mm -hmm. I have a few ideas. How likely would you be to talk be to like, them? Oh, cool, that sounds awesome. As opposed well, I mean, to, hell yeah, so, man. Funnily enough, like, like podcast listeners are like emailing me scripts and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll read it. And I read it. And then like, you know, then I'll be like, oh God. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, then, and then I'll stop. Yeah, or just like, oh, it's not my taste. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty much reading yeah. anything people will send me. I'm, I'm kind of being, I think like the opposite of those managers, because like if someone approaches me with something like I'm going to give it a shot because like you never know, like maybe it is going to be great. Uh But you didn't say yes to any of them. And also they're sending scripts. They are sending you scripts. They're not just saying I want to work together. No, no, no. Yeah, they're they're sending actual stuff. Their projects already exist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, a little different. It's, it's well observed or a little a little light razzing there. I think that is a super helpful frame of mind for people to have. Yeah. Like it really does pull into focus like, oh, if it were me. What what would I be looking for is a really smart way to figure out how to pitch um, yourself to yeah. think of things. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, yeah. I don't know with any luck, like people see the movie and then like maybe somebody's looking for a director and they need to hire somebody for a movie and they like my movie and they want they want me to take a look and consider it, you know? So like, that's kind of like the, the big hope is that this will lead to some sort of mm-hmm. paid job as my next movie, because, you know, it, until I find the one that I'm willing to like, you know, die on the hill for and like raise money for and do all the things for, you know, um, because I'd love a stab at something cool to direct as a, as a director for hire. But again, obviously it has to be a cool script. And, you know, I think in, in a lot of cases I'd want to have script, um, you know, say at least if, if not, you know, I wouldn't necessarily final say, but like at least some input on the script, you know, which from what I've heard hearing from other people is like not very common. It's usually like this movie's ready to go. Will you direct it? And if you're like on an indie film, 
or I don't know anything, I guess. I, I'm not sure. I feel like, I don't know. And the director is always doing some, some sort of pass on the script, yeah. whether it's yeah, overt yeah, yeah. or covert. I think maybe it's like, don't ask for permission. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of quote unquote <laughs> improv. That's just um, yeah, like these improvisers uh, are reading right. off a yeah. script that says written by Alric on it. Well, I know we have to wrap up soon, but my last question, it's kind of the same question again, but just a different version of it, which is like, do you want your next film to be similar to your last film? And I'm just asking because when I, when I made my movie, the main actors are deaf and, you know, there's a good amount of dialogue. A lot of it is in sign language, but overall it's a really quiet movie because of that, because there's a lot of sign language going on. All I wanted was a movie with a ton of talking. Like I just really wanted a loud <laughs> dialogue driven movie for my next film. Cause I, because I was getting bored of the slow parts for my first film, the quiet parts, you know, like I kind of wanted to make the opposite movie for my next film. But I know on your podcast, uh, your co-host Liz is always like dipping her toes into like a hundred different genres and you're telling her she just needs to focus. So I'm curious for you, do you want to make like another kind of sci-fi thriller? Is that like the only place you're happy or do you want to try to distance yourself a little bit from that type of movie and make something that feels diff very different? You know, I, I really want to make another sci-fi thriller, sci-fi horror, one of those genres. I just love the genre a lot. Quote unquote genre directors get a lot of latitude. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like no one would be like thriller to sci-fi with thrill <laughs> thriller elements. Ooh, I, I'm going to yeah, pull yeah, it yeah. off. You know, it's like if you go rom-com to slasher film, I get that people might be like, oh, I'm a little surprised by this because they're so dressed there's no blood in your rom-com right. right but also like blood's easy and fun everybody who doesn't love shooting with blood? i'm like pretty non-violent and like fake blood is so yeah, fun. Yeah. but also the alternate um, is like the character's pretty yeah. serious they're getting into kind of deep trouble they're kind of like mm -hmm. in intense scenes i don't know maybe you would want to make like a late like a comedic sci-fi thriller you know or something yeah. like i mean well i was writing a very like light comedy well not like it's more like a like a sci-fi horror comedy thing but it, but it basically just became too expensive like it was just like clearly gonna be like a million two million dollar movie so then i had to like just put that on the back burner because it's like there's just no i mean i could maybe raise that much money for my next movie but it just doesn't seem plausible right so I, i'd rather work on something mm -hmm. that's like you know under under half a million because it's like i feel like that's a realm where i i can see the i can see how it would happen, you know, but for anything bigger mm -hmm. than a half a million, I'm not exactly sure. I like, I don't, I don't have a vision for where, where how I raise that money. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, I had an epiphany yesterday, guys, that I want to run by you. Orin and I both are, are quote unquote comedy directors and they're not making a ton of comedies right now on television or in film. And for a long time, I think Orin, to your point, like they really, really needed to be star driven. Like you really needed will ferrell or seth rogan to star in your comedy otherwise it's there was literally a time where made, you could say right? will ferrell is an nba player will ferrell is a nascar driver and you, sure. that got the green light sure those are both great hit movies they're not making them anymore and i thought well dang why don't i just write like i would love to make a shane black movie right i would love to do like a kiss kiss bang bang or something like that those are comedies with yeah, they're action comedies like yeah, it's like Bullet Train, right? Kingsman with, like, with, with movie sure. stars. Yeah. yeah. I might just write action comedies 
yeah. instead. And by the way, Elric, I hate to break it to you, but almost every movie we've heard of is has movie stars in it. <laughs> well, not the alternate. <laughs> no. By the way, you guys should check out the alternate. One of my favorite parts of the premise of the alternate is that it's about a guy, uh, sensibly Elric, because he has a beard. There's two versions of him, and one of them never made his film, and the other one made his film and became very successful. So it's uh, it's fun to see you turning yeah. from first Does, version of you to second version of you. Yeah. Does that mean you're going to shave your bill? No, I don't all? think so. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep, <laughs> I'll keep what the internet is calling the worst beard in the world. Um, you know. Who called that? Who called <laughs> it that? No, wait, the the internet is like, yeah, the, well, the comments on YouTube, there's always at least one person who's like, fake beard, fail. <laughs> <laughs> and the award for the worst beard goes to. Well, Alric Oren always says you haven't made it until you get a no. negative comment. So, so that, that means strangers are there. If you're getting roasted, but also that means like, how good would that pull quote be on a DVD cover? <laughs> like people would buy that DVD. Yeah, no, it's right? so funny. Uh, there's a there's a lot of good comments too. So it, the the bad ones don't get me down too much. <laughs> How can people watch the movie? It's gonna be on Amazon, on uh, you know iTunes, Apple Movies, whatever it's called now. Um, Comcast. Just search the alternate on any VOD platform that you may have. Do you have a website that people could go to and then you could redirect yeah, them to your... Yeah, if you uh, go to ulrichbrussel.com, I'll have all the links there once the links are available. Cool. A-L-R-I-K-B-U-R-S-E-L-L, right? Dot com. com. Yeah, or just Ulrich search Brussel. the alternate Ulrich and, you know, you'll right. find it. it, it and is it true that in 10 years you're going to release a new version of the film and it's going to be called the alternate alternate cut? I sure hope not. Oh my God, that would be a disaster. Before we jump into unpaid endorsements, I just want to ask you this question. We ask every single guest that's ever been on our show. Uh, we really must know, is making movies difficult? <laughs> Does making movies get you? Never mind. Yes, it is difficult. <laughs> Do you mind hanging out with us to endorse something just for a minute? Sure. Unpaid endorsements. Okay, so my unpaid endorsement is for anyone who is using Dolly 2. If you Google the Dolly 2 prompt book, there's this awesome PowerPoint presentation. It's like... Wait, I think you got to tell people Dolly 2 is. For the uninitiated, Dolly 2 is the upgraded version of AI that generates art based off of Images. images based off of a prompt. So I type in... Matt and Oren, two podcast hosts, looking hella cool in front of the Hollywood sign. And then it spits you out a couple of images, right? The prompt book is basically a user guide that helps you get closer to the images that you are hoping to the AI generates, basically. So it has all sorts of different tones, styles, and suggestions to like help teach the AI to get closer to what you're dreaming of. And I had been messing around with it for a while. And getting some pretty legitimately really cool results. But then with just a few additional keywords, like dropping in the type of lens that you would use, you know, I'd say like, you know, 32 millimeter Sigma art lens, sharp, smoke, or stuff like that. All of a sudden, the upgrade in my images was pretty darn huge. It was really, really cool. And it also has other techniques on how to like 
edit photos so that they're a little bit better than what you were hoping for. Like sometimes faces come in weird so you can erase the face and then like write in, you know, handsome man with the confused look on their face or whatever. Um, that sort of stuff. The Dolly 2 prompt book is my recommendation. It's been super fun. Also, I bet you it would work for Mid Journey, which I just heard is like open to everyone now. Even if you don't have access to Dolly 2, there's a handful of open source AI uh, image generators out there. And I bet this prompt book would help all of them. Yeah. And for those that aren't familiar, Dolly is D A L L E. Like Wall-E, but with the D, yeah. like Salvador Dali. It's awesome. I read the prompt book and I love that. The reason that you put a, if you write Sigma 32 millimeter lens into your prompt, the image becomes better is because from the database of images, like hundreds of millions of images it's looked through, the ones that have the lens described in the description of the photo tend to come from professional photographers. Mm-hmm. And so you're already kind of starting, you're starting like, okay, look at professional photography, oh, you know, to start building this, right? Well, have you played with AI image stuff at all, Ulrich? No, that sounds cool though. Well, here, I, I want to go, yeah, because I don't want to be last because this, this might suck. I'm sure you've had people talk about DaVinci Resolve before on this one specific thing. Basically, I'm doing this, this job where I'm uh, on the online editor on a, on a movie and I got the job because I did that for my movie. And so they're like, oh, yeah, you've done it on your own movie. You can do it for someone else. And then, of course, like their workflow is very different from my workflow. And suddenly I had to learn DaVinci Resolve to do this. Can you tell people what an online editor is real quick? So online editing means basically taking the finished edit movie like that's been done and completed and then giving all the pieces of the movie to the other artists that need to work on it. So like the visual effects artist needs the shots to do the VFX work and the colorist needs the shots to color and the sound needs the audio to you know do the sound work so i'm basically taking all the pieces and then giving it to all the people and then i'm going to bring when when it's done and they've finished all their work i take all that back and put it back into premiere or da vinci and then export the final the final movie to for to be delivered right. you know to the just like know. leonardo da vinci used to do exactly <laughs> exactly so there's this function in in DaVinci where, you know, if you have your whole movie laid out in, in, into shots and you need to just send one shot to the visual effects artist, you can like right click on the shot. And then I think it's called create a new VFX connect clip. And I don't know if this mm. is the proper way where you're what you're supposed to do, but I've been doing this and it's great because like basically all, all you do is you just hit right click and then you go in there, you, you know, you can, you can label it something else. You can say, oh, I want it to you know, come out as Apple ProRes 444. All you have to do is hit render media and then it'll just render that one clip out, you know, in, in the right aspect ratio that you need it to be in. And then boom, you have it ready to go, you know, perfect aspect ratio just as the mm-hmm. settings that you, you put in and then you can send it to your, to your artist and then you're golden. So it's That's saving cool. so That's much fucking time because yeah. like I was basically on my, on my own movie. <laughs> what I did was I created individual timelines for each mm-hmm. visual effect shot. And then I created handles and then I, you know, exported it individually, like one Brutal. at a time. Fucking <laughs> okay, hey, dude, took me forever. And on, on DaVinci, it's just fucking right click, boom, out. And I can set whatever handles I want. They didn't want handles in this case. and ready to go so yeah that's what i'm gonna say is my thing because uh it really saved me a lot of time that's amazing i think that's actually a really good endorsement. well kaplan what you got buddy do you guys know about rugsusa.com 
<laughs> it's a it, you, do you need a rug i may and it may be because this is a repeat <laughs> endorsement but but the people need to know about rugs rugs usa guys then i'm doubling down if i've talked about yeah. it yeah like we had this rug in our living room. so first of all my wife has just taught me that like a rug makes a room mm-hmm. um you guys and, do have nice rugs and, it's true yeah well and they're super cheap rugs can be super expensive like if you go to crate and barrel or something rug like a 14 foot by 11 foot rug to fill up your living room can be Super like $1,200 yeah. or something or like 1500 $2,000, $2,500. I mean, they're really expensive. They, they're great. Um, and by the way, try to get a rug that fills the space that you need filled. And so that the edges of the rug are a little bit underneath the furniture. Mm-hmm. Six you know, inches like is what I've read. You're supposed to be in. Six inches <laughs> under the feet of the couches and the seats. Yo, these are cheap rugs. Dude, we had this rug. I think it was 11 by 14 feet. And we took it to get it cleaned. It was like $350 or something to get it cleaned. And you can get the new, a new one for $250, including mm-hmm. shipping on rugsusa.com. Mm-hmm. And they have really cool, like kind of Persian style rugs. They have like those fluffy plush rugs. They have all sorts of, I mean, you know, it's not hand woven, you know, wool from Afghanistan or anything, but they look great. They're comfortable. And if they get dirty, you just buy a new one. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's just like the best deal. And they have crazy sales, like black. Um, Friday, it's like 75% off everything. Like check it out. If you need a rug, which I highly recommend, if you have a room without a rug, dude, get a rug. <laughs> It'll make you so much happier. Rugsusa.com. That's all I got. All right. Thanks so much for talking. Congrats again on everything, especially your life stuff, but really, especially your movie also. <laughs> but also check out making movies is hard because it's really fun. If you like uh-huh. our podcast, you'll probably like that podcast. Thanks guys. If you want to let us know what you think about our interview with Alric, if you want us to send him your script because he will read anything apparently, email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. You can find us across all social media at justshootitpod. I'm on Instagram at OKaplan. I'm on Twitter at SmiteyPileg. And I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow. Episode was edited by Noah Bayshore. Thanks, Noah. You can follow him on TikTok at Noah Bayshore. And you're listening to music provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist, Jazar. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 